Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 461st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is investing in small agriculture businesses. We're talking with Chris Rowley about alternative funding for urban farmers. As a career naval officer, Chris has traveled the world. Over the course of visiting dozens of war-torn and poverty-stricken countries, he began to appreciate the importance of farming to every single person on earth. As a professional investor, he decided to invest in a farm, but discovered that these types of investments were inaccessible to the average person. Thus, he created Harvest Returns in 2016 to democratize investments in agriculture. Welcome to the show today, Chris. Are you ready to rock urban farm investing? Yes, I am. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. So I am not a farmer, although I do dabble in like backyard herb growing and things like that. I grew up in the suburbs and I ate things like TV dinners, like a lot of people in my generation in the 80s. And then as I said earlier, I joined the Navy and I saw the world and I traveled and traveled and I really got to build an appreciation for people who grow our food, how it's grown and where it's grown. And and that appreciation uh, translated 20 years later into me having this idea for building a platform that allowed people to invest in farming. And we call that platform Harvest Returns. And I found my co-founder, Austin Manis, who had been a friend and we'd done some business together. And he grew up spending his summers on family farms. So he brings in the agriculture aspect and we've got a great team. And now we help farmers raise capital and we put together these offerings to help investors get a little bit closer to how their foods produce. Wow. So harvestreturns.com says grow your wealth with passive investments in farming and timberland. This is something that's really needed. How did you boil it down for us how it actually happened? 
sure. So I had been looking for a way to invest in farming. I'd been investing in real estate for some time and decided that this is after the 2008 sort of real estate crash that I need to look for a different flavor of real estate. So I started looking at land and I started looking at farming. And at the same time, I'd moved out to the country and drove my kids to school every day past people raising cattle and sheep and goats and chickens and really started to see that there is something to agriculture. And it was important for people to know more about it. If you don't live in, you know, say flyover country or you happen to be an urban farmer, you may not really have an appreciation for it. So we decided to put together this company that allows people to come in and invest. And what we do is we help farmers that are looking to raise somewhere between 400000 and a couple million dollars. And I know that may sound like a lot of money, but as farms go, it's, it's fairly small. So it's it's north of what we might call like a hobby farm where people might be growing some produce and selling at a local farmer's market, but it's not you know, huge 10,000 acre industrial sorts of row crop commodities. So we built this platform. We found that there was a niche that a lot of farmers in that price range or in that size range needed capital and they were dissatisfied with the existing ag banking system. And so we were able to take that with some, along with some technology, automate the investing process and start building some investors who were interested in agriculture and have funded our first couple of deals, actually four deals. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Thanks. It's always interesting and winding journey as an entrepreneur. Oh, <laughs> that it is. I've been self-employed since t- 1974. So I understand that. So why is it important to you that we invest in farms? For a lot of reasons. I think that, so we have, we have a mission and that mission is, is kind of what I've already said is to help farmers mix with investors so that they can raise capital and alternative funding source. And underlying that mission, we have three values. And our values are the best way to sustain the planet is to invest in farming. And, and that one in particular, I think answers your question because it's, you know, farming gets a bad rap sometimes, whether it's uh, chemical overspray or greenhouse gas emissions or whatever, but, but you know, most farming is pretty sustainable. And not only that, it, it sustains life on earth. If, if we didn't have farmers, we wouldn't have food and then we wouldn't be around. So, right. so we think it's really important. And we think our other value is uh, farmers and investors are stronger together. So by bringing together people who need capital, who grow our food with people who want to invest and connect to that food system in a different way and, and vote with their dollars and, and not only make an impact, but also make some nice returns. That's kind of where we came up with the, the name Harvest Returns because it's harvesting profits and harvesting produce and, and food. I'm sitting here thinking, my dad was a financial planner when he was alive and my brother uh, took over his business and this kind of investment could actually change the face of urban agriculture? It, it, it could possibly, Greg. So we we work with farmers in a variety of types of products and methods of growing. And urban agriculture is one of those methods that we want to do. We, we haven't raised for an urban farm per se. We've talked to a few people doing types of urban farming. Indoor agriculture is something that, that we have done, and that's pretty related to urban farming because mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing more and more people who want to grow their food closer to where it's consumed. And there's a lot of good reasons to do that. You know, one is because you're really reducing those food miles. So the energy that's consumed in moving produce from market, if it's grown hundreds of miles away, if you're growing in an urban environment, that energy is not consumed. The produce is fresher and more nutritious. And anybody who's ever, you know, picked a tomato or something out of their backyard knows that that the fresher that food is, the better it tastes. 
Oh, big time. So we think, you know, with urban farming, it's definitely, we see that as one of those transformative parts of agriculture. And there's a lot of disruption going on in agriculture right now. And an indoor controlled environment and urban is, is a big piece of that. Well, and, you know, you can do hydroponics and greenhouses. And a, a friend of mine owns Gotham Greens in New York City, and they put greenhouses right on top of office buildings. So it's, it's a different game these days. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And I, I've heard of Gotham Greens, and, and I think what, last time I was in New York, we actually went to a restaurant that was serving some of their, their produce. So, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. So why would a farmer want to come to you rather than go to a bank? They may want to do, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, not everybody goes into farming ready to qualify for a loan. Some people have a lot of student debt already, or some people have an existing farm, but it's already loaded with debt and they might want to raise equity. So equity is simply, you know, another name for bringing in investors who, who take an ownership piece of the business. So what we do is, is help companies, for example, we did a greenhouse operation in Kentucky we helped them raise a half a million dollars, but they had other investors and they also had you know, multi-million dollar bank loans. So you can combine equity investors with a bank loan to enable you to do a much bigger project. Wow. If I wanted to do a startup and look at putting in greenhouses, doing an urban farm or even a rural farm, what does the process look like and what, do you, what would you need from me? Yeah, the first step generally is for the farmer or the person that business agripreneur to come to us with their idea. And the best way to do that is, is going to our website. We have a whole section to submit the projects. We will do an initial screening on that project. And sort of the things we're looking at is what are you growing? How are you growing it? How much money do you need? What's your basic experience in, in producing this product? We're, we're not for everybody. If you're just interested in you know building a greenhouse in your, your rooftop and you've of your apartment, you've never actually grown anything, then, then that's not really the kind of deal we would like to do. However, if you've been doing something like that with some, some scale for you know, years and you're an expert and maybe you have some experience, then, then we'd, we'd love to talk to you. So that's kind of our initial screening. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come back and we're going to ask you, what's your plan? And that could be a PowerPoint deck. It could be a formal business plan. It's going to include some financials. We're going to have some phone calls. We may come visit you and have more in-depth discussions. And then what we'll do is we'll decide if that's a nice fit, and you'll decide if you want to make the small investment. It does cost about $1,500 just to kind of get us to put you onto our platform initially and, and some other fees that, that are later. But uh, we'll, then we're going to start due diligence because we need to see things like are, are you organized as a corporation or a limited liability company? Who is on your team? Is it, do you have business expertise and farming expertise? Do you have an agreement with a, a restaurant or a group of restaurants or maybe a distributor to buy your produce? You know, it's great to grow things, but if you don't have anybody to buy it, you're not going to make any money. And a number of other factors. And then what we'll do is we'll put that, uh, once we get to that stage, we're ready to put it up on a platform and we will promote that to our investor pool. We've got over 2,000 investors registered on our platform at this point, and that grows every day. And that the deal will start to fund and investors can come in uh, with anywhere between 5000 and hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've seen individual investments and invest in your farming project. And after we've raised that money, that'll close. You'll get your check. And then we will 
keep connected with you over the subsequent years as you operate that farm, providing updates to our investors, providing distributions to our investors, providing tax documents, all those sorts of things. So it's a it's a long process and it's a long term process. And we, you know, part of that is a relationship building. It's not just hey, let's sign the documents and, and be done with the deal. We're generally part of these deals, so we want to make long term relationships with our farming partners. Wow. So. A couple of things I heard in there that I wanted to ask about is this this isn't a loan. This is an investment. For the most part, that is correct. If it's something uh, we have actually done one project, pretty unique, that was a loan. It was a cattle notes. So this was a very sophisticated grass-fed cattle project in Georgia. And we were able to, the person, the group already had land that, and some other investors, and they needed cattle. So we, and they, you know, they had all the infrastructure in place in an existing cattle operation. So we essentially put a loan on the cattle, the herd of cattle, and that is the collateral for the cattle. It sounds, you know, risky, but it's really not because you're buying cattle at one weight in age, yep. and then you're selling them at a much larger age, and you're. So it's it's really if anything, and that herd is also growing. So if anything, it's a pretty secure investment. Oh my God, that is so cool! If I wanted to do something like a composting operation. We would look at that. So we do pr- primarily production agriculture, but also what we call value-added processing. So I think composting would be, you know, to a scale or even like vermiculture. It, those sorts of things would, would be types of deals, soil amendments. We've looked at all those sorts of opportunities. And, and if we feel like it might be a hit with our investors, we will certainly consider it. So I come to you, I give you my business plan. We decide we're moving forward. Uh, we come up with an investment of however many dollars we come up with. Do I have to change my operation or how I'm doing what I'm doing in response to the investors? No, our investors come in as limited partners, which means they basically are just there for the money. I mean, they're also there for the connection to the farm and they want to see updates and they want to see the farm thrive and see pictures of you know, your crops and things like that. But they're neither our investors nor us as the asset manager ongoing asset manager are really going to dictate how you farm. So we want people, we want farmers that have an established process, established method of growing and are experienced in that method. And, you know, whether it's soil-based or not soil-based farming, it it doesn't matter. We just want them to be able to to grow uh, what they say they can grow and produce the returns that our investors were promised. And are you looking for primarily organic farmers or really anybody that's growing? I will say our focus is primarily on specialty agriculture. We are looking more at organic, regenerative, sustainable, humanely raised livestock, grass-fed livestock, those sorts of things, because one, we feel there are less risky investments for a variety of reasons. Usually the prices that that type of products are less volatile and and carry more of a premium than Mm -hmm. sort of a commodity crop. And also, we think that our investors like to invest in things that make an impact, whether that's to sustain the environment. We're also looking for projects that have a, a social impact. So that might be a disadvantaged area, could be an opportunity zone. That's one of the new things that are out there. There's, uh, It's a tax advantage variety of investing that allows you to defer and uh, reduce capital gains. And we are actually looking for projects in both urban and rural areas in opportunity zone. So if someone's got a farm out in an opportunity zone, we'd love to talk to them. Perfect. So we've talked about the farmer side. Now, I know that a bunch of my people out there are probably not growing food for a living yet, although I'm really nudging them in that direction. 
but I'm sure they have maybe some extra funds to invest. So if I was an investor and I wanted to come to you and put some money in this process, how would I go about doing that? So the first step we'd say before you even consider investing is to educate yourself. So we have a variety of educational materials on agriculture as an investment asset class, different types of agriculture, markets for agriculture, uh, production methods and specific crops. And so I would recommend they, they do some reading and there's some other you know, resources out there just besides ours that are helpful for that. So once they kind of have an idea of what the agricultural investment spectrum looks like, come back, register on our platform, and then they can start to surf through our, our deals. And we only about 3% of the offerings that, that come to us get actually make it to the platform because we're very selective and we want to make sure that our farms produce the returns that they can and, and they're solid investments for the people who trust their, their money with these farmers. So then they can get on the platform, look at the deals, decide if they want to invest, read all the deal particulars, sign the private placement memorandum. It's a specific sort of legal document, just like when you're investing like a prospectus for a mutual fund or whatever. You can do that all online and then they can send a check, wire money, ACH bank transfer, whatever method they want to fund it. And then from there, they will get all the documents that they can save and that represents their ownership in the farm. And then they get ongoing distributions, depending on how the deal is structured, as well as tax documents every year and those updates, as I mentioned before. And our minimum investments are $5,000 up to is pretty much as much as the investor wants to invest. And we are, in some cases, looking, depending on how the deal is listed, in some cases, there may be specific investor requirements like accreditation, which is an income or net worth limit, but not always. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I know that there's, in the whole uh, VC world, venture capital world, there's becoming a registered investor. And it doesn't sound to me like on all of your projects, somebody would need to be a registered investor. Yeah, the accredited investor is, is something that the... Securities and Exchange Commission requires, that's something we have to comply with. So it does reduce the amount of people that can invest in our offerings. Although we are looking at different ways, different types of offerings that we will be able to bring in people with maybe as little as $500 at some point, and they don't, would not have to be accredited. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you were looking at ways to do that. So that's cool. So you're deeply committed to agriculture and it, with this company, Harvest Returns. It, how do you see it? changing our future, what you're doing. Yeah, that's a big, you know, we, we think that our main way is, is to be that flexible, nimble source of capital for farmers that they may not be getting with their banks. A lot of agriculture banks are issuing the same type of loans in a lot of cases, government guaranteed loans that their fathers and grandmothers were using who were maybe multi-generational farmers. They, the loans really haven't changed that much. And because we're getting a little creative, and the way we structure these deals or help the, help the farmers structure these deals, we're able to be a little bit more responsive. And, and we work with banks, and we love to work with banks, too. But we'll, we see ourselves as just another disruptive factor that's changing the face of agriculture in the country. And that's, that's what we're really excited about. You know, I'm, I'm just sitting over, like I said, my dad was a financial planner when he was alive. So I have a, a you know, a somewhat of a background, although I'm not a financial planner in any way, shape, or form. I'm a farmer. But... I'm really excited about what you're up to. I think it's going to make a huge difference on the planet. So I just really want to do a, a virtual high five to you and thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you so much, Greg. It, that means a lot. I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. 
Sure. So we first started this company in 2016. And when you start up a business, as you know, there's it, it seems like you can never move fast enough. And it seems like there's always things in your way. And one of the first things we were concerned about was finding our initial farms. And we thought that was going to be a problem. Now, it turns out that was not our problem at all. We've got more farmers than we know what to do with, which is great. It shows that there's a market for what we're doing. But early on, we were kind of grasping, where are we going to find these farmers who need to raise capital? And we went out and we found one. And and it just wasn't because we didn't really know much better. We put this on a platform. We didn't raise much money, not enough to close the offering. And it turns out the farmer, there was just some issues and we didn't really do a good job of betting it. So we we closed that and we, we moved on and, and learned from our, our mistake. You know, that's really the reason I ask this question is it's a reflective question to make sure that we don't stop. Because if you would have stopped at that first deal, what would your life have looked like? Yeah, I know. We would have, it would have been not good. We've, we've raised over $1.3 million since that first failure. So I, I'd say I'm glad we didn't stop. Yeah, exactly. What is your biggest success? I see every single time we close a deal as a success because, you know, that we just feel like we're making a, a real impact out there. We just closed a, a deal, that Kentucky deal, and that's going to help bring 75 jobs to a, an area working in a greenhouse that, that needs uh, where there were some factories that closed and they need those jobs desperately. So that sort of thing, we know we're making an impact. We know we're helping people bring fresh quality food to the consumers who need it. And it, it just makes us feel good every time we, we close an offering because we, we know we're doing good for everyone. What's the coolest project you've ever looked at? Oh, that's interesting. We get a lot of interesting, unusual projects. We're talking to some mussel farmers, offshore mussel farmers in Southern California. We've talked to snail farmers. We've talked to just about you name the animal or or crop or tree or orchard. We, we've talked to those folks. They don't all meet our criteria, but it's, it's fun talking to them. And we certainly learn a lot about uh, different types of farming. And what drives you? We're driven by, by simply by helping people, by helping those farmers and, and the communities that they farm in and then the, the people they serve with their food that they produce and, and also our investors. So it's, it's all about people. It's bringing value to people's lives through what we do on the platform. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So I recently read a book called Hungry for Disruption, and it's by a young lady named Shen Li, who I, who I actually met up in New York several months ago. And this book is great because it's all about the disrupting factors of agriculture, whether that's urban farming, indoor farming, organics, GMOs, kind of a touchy subject, but it's, it, 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 the book does a nice job of addressing it. All those sorts of things, robotics, every technology that's impacting farming and how that's evolving our food system really rapidly. So hungry for disruption. Wow. Say a little, you've used that word several times now. Say a little bit more about what that means, disruption. So you know, people, I guess it means different things to different people, but for us, what it means is changing the status quo for the good. So people get locked in systems, ecosystems, whether that's a business ecosystem, our food system, agriculture system, they get locked into ways that after a while they just become sort of stale. And you have companies like ours and others, a lot of the other young companies we, we've met, come across in our travels that are bringing technology that are, that are changing the agriculture system and, and the agriculture, in our case, the agriculture finance system for the better. Wow, cool. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? So I would say 
we have a, a phrase we like to talk about in our company called add a zero to your thinking. So if you're maybe you've, you've been working in your backyard or rooftop with a greenhouse or you've been sort of dabbling in hydroponics and you're like, wow, if I could just get $5,000 or $20,000 to, I could buy another greenhouse or I could expand this. So add a zero to your thinking. Why don't you think a little bigger? How about 200000 How about 400000 And then a company like ours can help you fund that and, and realize your dream. I love that. I'm a, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. Like I said, I've been self-employed since I was 15 in 1974. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things a lot of my coaches have you know, encouraged you to, me to do along the way is to think bigger. Right, right. Don't be self-limiting. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Chris. It's been awesome, Greg. I really appreciate your the opportunity. And how can our listeners get a hold of you? So the best way is to go to our website, harvestreturns.com. Of course, we're on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. That's another good way to follow us and to read our educational materials and, and links to things that we think are interesting about the food system and investing in agriculture. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash harvest returns. We are your urban farming resource. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.